Uh, by the way, I totally missed the boat. I totally missed the boat and not making party in the parking lot. Our uh, from Five Street Law, our our opening theme song. Matt and Ethan review music. There we go. Yeah, I always liked Colin Hay because I always liked Men at Work. And whenever you suggested that album, I was like, oh, cool. I'll, I'll be interested in listening to some Colin Hay stuff, mm -hmm. some of his original stuff. And then I was like, these are all Men at Work songs. <laughs> yeah, I, I was being dumb. He, he's got a ton of solo records. And, and like from like the early 80s up till now, he's still doing solo record stuff. And he sounds the exact same. Like he's got yeah. this, like I've listened to different solo record things. It's just that it's always the minute work covers that I go to just because some of those songs are for me, like uh, they're just, they're just so kind of, kind of beautiful. If, if uh, Amanda was on this, she'd recognize a ton of those songs as just being scrub songs. Cause they're just right. Cause, cause Zach Braff loves Colin Hay. And so like, and so, like, they're all over Scrubs. And I, I was like, oh, that's why. That's one of the reasons why I love it. Because I'm like, yeah. it makes it hits me right here. Well, when I was telling Amanda about what we were planning on doing for the podcast, and I told her that you had suggested Colin Hay, she was like, oh, he's on Scrubs. And I was like, what? She's that's like, what? yeah, he's on Scrubs all the time. And I was like, okay, is he like an actor or something too? Or She was like, yeah, they do his music all the time. And I was, so she recognized him immediately. From Scrubs. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. So which one do you want to do first? Let's I'm do Colin crazy. Hay. We're on Colin Hay. Why don't you tell the why don't you tell the listeners what this week's uh, uh topic is? Absolutely. So listeners, this week for Backstreet Hookah Chats, Matt and I don't have a ton of time this week, so we're we're decided to do a short Backstreet Hookah Chats episode for you. Uh the the prompt was our what Matt calls our moped record. That is, <laughs> that is, uh, the the records that uh, we are not necessarily thrilled would not necessarily be thrilled uh, for our friends to catch us listening to, like <laughs> as if you were riding a moped down the street. Everybody's <laughs> like, "Why is he driving a?" You see what I'm saying? So that is uh, that is the prompt. Uh, Matt gave me his record, which we'll talk about in just a second. And I gave Matt my record. Uh, I actually had a, a, out of three possible records, one was the Monkees' greatest hits record because the Monkees are fantastic. I don't care what anybody says; they're <laughs> they're great. The only the only reason people don't like the Monkees is because they should they they're mad they didn't think of doing it first because all, all right. the all the songs are so simple, but like so many of them are so catchy and like sampled and like you know by everybody. Right. Um, it was either that one of the first two U2 records, which I don't care what anybody says, at least those first two U2 records, they're cool. Um, and uh, what we decided on, which is a Colin Hay record, Colin Hay is a singer songwriter, uh, and is the lead singer for the band Men at Work. Um, Hugh, I come from Land Down Under. And uh, I picked the a compilation record 
from Colin Hay, which is just called Man at Work. And so that was that was my moped record. So Matt, <laughs> have at it. Well, I got to be honest with you. I don't typically enjoy acoustic records because what typically happens with people playing acoustic is when, when, when I when I hear somebody's going to play acoustic, I think of uh, like a open mic night, like a Friday Night Live or something like that, um, where it's like the same three chords, jing, 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 jing. And it's not really terribly uh, entertaining. Or, you know, some douchey college kid trying to score chicks around a campfire. You know, like they're all they're very most of the time they're very lame. They're not very uh, they're not very good. And yes. so that's how I find most acoustic acts to be. Um, but I was very pleasantly surprised um, by Colin Hayes. Not, not that I was surprised by Colin Hay, because I know him to be a good musician, but the way that he was able to, whenever, whenever he wrote the songs, I, apparently these were the, in their more or less original format before the, the, the entire band got to work on it, mm -hmm. you know? And when it comes out, it's more, it's more pop friendly um, when it's, a, when it's sure. a Men at Work proper title. But when mm -hmm. it's stripped down to its core, you really get an, uh, an idea. I mean, we all know that Colin Hay can sing. We can hear yeah. that in Men at Work. But boy, can he play, too. I mean, oh, yeah. it's really like it's, it's, it's a really an, a fine treasure to find whenever you find an acoustic act that actually impresses you with the, the music. Because usually the music in an acoustic act is a backup for a bad poem. Yeah. <laughs> and there's oh, not yeah, a whole yeah. lot of... There's not a whole lot of uh, substance to it, but with this stuff, it was really beautifully orchestrated too. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure why you wouldn't want your friends to catch you riding this album, but uh, it's definitely a departure from what I would consider you normally listening, like what you would pop into your, your CD player, turn on in your iPod or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't seem like the first thing that would be there, but like it's, it's a really well done album and it's a, uh, it, it's, it's, the acoustic work and it's really beautiful and, and yeah. complex actually i was screwing around with my acoustic guitar i'm not by any means the musician that colin hay is and i was like yeah. wow that stuff's that stuff's hard and to be able to sing it as well as he does and play it at the same time is is impressive too and it's a lot more uh substantive than than like sitting around a campfire trying to woo college chicks out of their pants Right, right. Well, and, and it's funny how you make that connection, because so like, I think the reason why I would consider this a moped record for me is is largely because like, you know, isn't that the men at work guy, you know, like, like in minute. <laughs> she said, do you come from a land down on love? Women glow and men plunder. That, and and like and like for like my generation, it's like my dad listened to Men at Work, and he he really likes Men at Work, and so my dad would be like, "Yeah, Colin A, let's put that on," but but like the only it, it is, I come from the land down under is like a meme now, you know, like right. it's a it, it's a it's and, an internet joke, and that's not even the best song on that album. I mean, it might be the most popular song because of its Men at Work roots, but there's some really, really good, like Overkill is really good. Overkill's <laughs> like, a great song. There's, there's some it's really good song. tracks on that on that record that are that are impressive. Though there's little variation It nullifies the night From Overkill 
day after day it reappears. I think you're you're dead right about what a lot of like acoustic acts, you know, what they're designed to do. Right. Like, like that's the Wonderwall joke, right? Like play Wonderwall, right. you know, the Wonderwall, <laughs> the Wonderwall joke is it's kind of this stupid song that's easy to play, but for whatever reason, women really like it. And so like, everybody's like, cool, great. You know, and, and then you do that. Um, there, there isn't anything, uh, what I would say uh, is conventionally sexy about Colin A. <laughs> 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 like not, not really. Um, and so, and so the music doesn't come across as a, as like a pussy grab, right? right? The music comes across as, as this kind of, uh, really musical, really kind of thought through, um, yeah, artistic, <laughs> artistic stuff. Right? right. And, and so, uh, listen, so, so that, I think that's what make gives that album a kind of a different sort of quality where I think that. Uh, uh, folks around my age, you know, if you tell them, yeah, I'm listening to this acoustic record from the lead singer for Men at Work, uh, they, they'd be like, <laughs> Men at Work, you know, the, like, what, what are you, what are you talking about? Um, but then, like, you listen to, like, hey, Overkill is a great song, but then you listen to, like, Waiting for My Real Life to Begin, right? And and Colin Hayes, Colin Hayes sounds great in all the records and all the songs, but like, but like the performance he gives in that song is just like like it, like like it, it just doesn't even sound like he's trying it's like like yeah. everything everything just sounds so effortless musically and vocally and, and all that and feel the waves come crashing come crashing down down Open up your heart, let the light shine in. Don't you understand? I already have a plan. I'm waiting for my real life to begin. Uh, I always want to listen to to somebody who who sounds like them, right? Like like this isn't just some person, you know, oh, this person can sing, but we can substitute this person out for X, Y, Z other person who can sing fine, you know? Right. Like, like you, you're, you like those signature voices that when you hear yeah, them, you, you immediately go, Oh, that's Freddie that's Mercury. Great, or, exactly. Oh, that's, that's a great way to describe you know, it. Yeah. Signature voices. That's exactly right. Like, and Colin Hay has one of those and, and just has this sort of immense range and, and sort of immense, uh, uh, quality that he's able to really get any emotion he really needs to across across in, in his voice and I'm just I'm always I always have been I've always have been sort of blown away by that even even uh, the land down under you know <laughs> which is which is like I said is sort of like a joke now even the minute work version of that song like if you kind of sit and listen to it you're like man this motherfucker can sing yeah <laughs> like, right what is he doing? Like, how is right. he able to sing this well? And whenever um, you have him in an acoustic setting like that, like that's one of the reasons why I never play acoustic sets. I mean, I'm always being asked by, you know, the lead singer of my band hosts a local um, production, uh, like a 
it's a variety type show. You can get set up and do comedy or you can do play songs or do whatever. Um, but it's it's like basically it's an open mic night. They call it Friday Night Live. Uh, he's always trying to get me to participate in it in one form or another. And I never do because when you're when you're playing acoustic, you're you're really naked out there in front of a crowd like you don't have a band yeah. to cover for you. You don't have other people to interact with. You don't have, you know, the show aspect is, is a, like you sitting in the middle of a stage with a spotlight, you know, entertainment. And if you're not really good, that gets really bad really quick. Right. Sure. <laughs> so like mm-hmm. I don't have the, the the chops to play the way that Colin Hayes plays on the guitar, let alone the vocal ability to do what he did, you know? So you really need to have all those components to be able to, and it it takes a, takes a big, it takes a lot of uh, self-confidence to be able to sit in the middle of a stage with the spotlight on you. And, and and then that's it. That's it. There's no, there's no hiding. There's no, there's no drum track. There's no anything like it's all you. And, Mm -hmm. and I really respect Mm -hmm. somebody that can pull that off. Well, because lots of people try to pull that off. Lots of people try to pull that off. Yeah. Um, but only a few can do it really well. And whenever he's doing it uh, with his own original material and he's kind of he's taking these songs that are popularized in, in pop culture and mm. kind of distilling them down to their base form. And they're they're able to be appreciated in a new way. Whereas, you know, when you when you're listening to Land Down Under in a bar at like Mm -hmm. one o'clock in the morning, you're all dancing around, you're drinking shots and you're having a great time. And there's a certain vibe that you get from that song. Mm -hmm. When you hear it presented the way that he presents it in the acoustic format, it takes on it. I mean, you, you know, the song, it it hits all those notes and recognize uh, the, the structure of it. And you, it it breeds that familiarity with you, but you also can learn, you you learn to appreciate it in a new light. And that's what I really enjoyed about that record. I'd never heard him do his own acoustic stuff, and I really, really like. I'm glad. I, I, uh, I think you're. I totally agree with you. I think that um, there's so much, so much of the music I listen to. In some ways, this is what makes this record similar to a lot of the music I, I like. But so much of the genre of music that I like, um, uh, it is possible uh, to get away with it. Um, without having to be very good like like it's possible to so so like you know it's been well documented i like a ton of really heavy aggressive music and it's possible to get away with that being in a band or producing that kind of music at a low level and and be relatively successful like like it's possible to do that um uh when you're when you're exposed (laughs) it's not being very good (laughs) <laughs> then it be, then it's painful. Then then it's sort of painful to listen to. But like right. it's very possible to do that. And it's the same thing with with like as you said with like acoustic um, uh, singer songwriter type folks. What makes um, the Colin Hay record uh, like a lot of the music I like is um, when you're able to find that group or that musician that does it very well. Then it, it becomes harder to get into how you know the kind of the kind of low level versions of everything, right? You know, because then you're then you're like, well, I mean, like, yeah, like like cool, you know, like like that's fine. I'm, I'm glad you know, yeah, you play acoustic guitar, you get out there, bing bang boom, you, you did it. But uh, but Colin Hay can can play the shit out of that guitar, 
Yeah. You know, and yeah, and can do it without a drum, like you said, without any kind of rhythm section and can just kind of keep rhythm and just do it. And so after a while, like, you know, why listen to that other stuff? It doesn't make any right. sense. But you can't see like Vince Neil doing something like that, right? No, <laughs> you can't no, it just, it just doesn't it, it doesn't translate as well. Um, and I was surprised to to hear the like I said, the familiarity of the of the songs that I've known from men at work doing, uh, but to hear them done like really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So well, exactly. And and so like I was looking at the record, like just some of the reviews and stuff for the record, and it got really negative reviews. Really? Uh, the, yeah, yeah, and, and one of and, and essentially the main reason that I keep seeing is that, well, these are just these are just men at work songs. Like Colin Hay, actually, most of his solo records get very positive reviews, just because they're original stuff. But but I, I guess reviewers are upset because this is just a this is just a compilation record. So the implication is that it's like sort of a cash grab for him, where he kind of yeah pays the hits. Well, see, I I would get behind that more if he wasn't the original artist that wrote those songs. I mean, like, it's right. not like he's ripping off other people's work and putting it out there. <laughs> like it, yeah. like Colin Hay wrote the songs for men at work too. Right. <laughs> so like, it, it's not, it, it yeah. doesn't strike me as like some sort of, uh, it doesn't strike me as some sort of like power grab or, you know, money grab because like those were his original that was his original material to begin with. So I don't it's know. Where, where, it's, it's, I don't really understand the, the critique there. They're, they're just butt hurt that the saxophone solo isn't an overkill anymore. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's really what we want from overkill. And like, and once again, like, like I actually really, I really dig, you know, the, the, the minute work overkill version. Like I really do yeah, like, sure. like, like the, you know, I, I don't tend to listen to a ton of saxophone. And so like, <laughs> Oh, you like, must have you must have really hated mine then. <laughs> well, we'll get to it. But but like but like the saxophone solo in Minute Work doesn't doesn't make it, you know, it didn't make didn't make it lame. But uh but I thought that like I said, like I think I think you know we're we're just kind of saying it again and just reiterating it. Colin Hay demonstrates the strength of his songwriting mm -hmm. by being able to do the song in a number of different ways and have it be really, really good. Right. You know, and, and that's that's, I think, um, that's, I think, the mark of somebody who's, who's who's a very good musician, like like a very like that's like the difference between we'll, we'll jump genres for a second. That's like the difference between a nickelback and a tool. <laughs> right. Right. You know what I mean? Like like there's there's a, an argument can be made. It would be a very lousy argument, but an argument can be made that nickelback and tool are are in similar genres. An argument could be made about that. I, meaning, okay. <laughs> meaning, for people who don't know, meaning, yeah, it's it's heavy music that's melodic, and that's on the radio. You know, particularly like Undertow, right? Like that first yeah. that first Tool record. Um, okay, uh, but 
but uh, Tool are all accomplished musicians that can really, really play. Right. And, and it's demonstrated time and time again in their ability to take their own music and play it however they want, whenever they want, at any, at any moment. Right. Whereas like nobody goes to a Nickelback show and everybody's like, wow, they're really doing photograph in this reggae. Vibe. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder you know? if Chad Kroger ever played that in a, in a, with a swing. <laughs> right like it's right. never yeah. happened <laughs> it's, it's the weirdest, the weirdest <laughs> shit in the world um and and it, and like and i think that that this is a good example like colin hay can do that too right like colin right. hay colin hay is a musician he didn't just write a catchy song he's a musician who, right. who uh uh has has a certain amount of musical mastery not only over the song he wrote but over instruments that he's playing and over the, the way his voice sounds and so for that reason, uh, I, I think listeners, it's totally worth listening to this record and to listen to all other Colin Hay records. There's a a, a side thing. There there is another singer songwriter that I was going to give you possibly, uh, but I I decided on Colin Hay, and it's connect and it's there's a similarity to Colin Hay in this. Uh, have you ever heard of the guy of a guy by the name of Ben Soleil? That sounds familiar, but say more because I'm not. It, does, it doesn't immediately strike my mind. So, so Ben Soleil is also a singer songwriter, but but rather than play acoustic guitar, he plays cello, mm-hmm. and he and and he uh, you know writes his music on the cello and and like sings you know kind of over the cello playing, and he'll he'll play chords on the cello, or he'll pick the cello, or he'll, he'll you know strum the cello or whatever. And uh, and there's a very similar sort of quality to that where right. where, you know, he'll write a song, he'll write it for the cello, he'll write it for his voice, and then he'll tour with all of these different bands mm-hmm. and he'll recompose the song, you know, to fit all these different styles. It's really, really cool. Ben Soleil, um, just a, you, you didn't realize how how uh, unique the cello sounds in this way until like you listen to essentially a, a folk pop song, you know, right. kind of on the cello. Well, teach me, baby. Oh, Lord, yes. A little show and tell. How to keep from loving you. Yeah. Oh, good. I am glad. That you enjoyed my moped record. I did. So that is good. So, so what is your record, sir? My record is basically a nostalgia bomb for me. <laughs> my record is I'm the listening. most quintessentially '80s record I think that that can be expressed out there. Uh, my <laughs> record was 1983's "Sports" by Huey Lewis in the News. I don't know why. I can't explain why. I just really enjoy that record and i'm sure that uh a lot of my friends a lot of people that that know me well would be like you listen to huey lewis <laughs> <laughs> i mean huey, huey lewis in the news was huge in the 80s uh, if you ever saw um back to the future you've heard huey lewis songs right mm. uh the original ghostbusters movie had a uh, ray parker jr song in it which was like the the title song for the Ghostbusters song 
And Huey Lewis actually got into a legal battle with him, claiming that he that Ray Parker stole <laughs> that song from Huey Lewis. Like, that's how 80s he is. Right. (laughs) But like there's just something about that record that just makes you feel good. There's nothing on that record that's of any real substance. It's all about like girls and partying and there's nothing there's nothing heavy on it. There's one song on it that can be considered heavy. And it's kind of surprising because it's it's about uh, Vietnam veterans returning from the war and uh, and it doesn't fit thematically at all with anything else that Huey Lewis has done. <laughs> mm. But the way that the song's packaged, it's packaged in sort of that 80s pop uh, package. And it, it doesn't, it, it, it's, it's way heavier in meaning than, than, than the music would give it credit for, I would say. Mm. But uh, I, just, I just feel good every time I hear anything off of the record sports. I just, I don't know why it just makes me feel good. What'd you think of it? So I, uh, I, I did not hate it at all. You know, <laughs> I would not go back and listen to it personally. Uh, like I wouldn't be like, wow, I got to listen to that again. You know, um, uh, I really like that. It was, uh, uh, I really like, so the, the word I would use to describe this record would be effortless. Yeah. You know, there's a sense, uh, everything is really easy going in the record, but there's also a sense that, that, everybody you know from all all parts of the of of the band are really playing um comfortably within what they can play right so and so sometimes you'll listen to uh uh bands that or or records or songs that there's the sense of strain that's that's how i'll kind of describe it like like there's this is going to sound weird Aerosmith always makes me feel that way. Like, like yeah. I like Aerosmith, I really do. But there are moments in in many Aerosmith tracks where where I'm like, where I'm like, man, Joe Perry is is at capacity. Like, like this is <laughs> right as good as he can play. Like, like, like there isn't anything. Or, or like a Stephen Stephen Tyler is is wailing as hard as he possibly can. He's not right. holding back, and that's all fine. Like, like that's like i like that passion that's all fine but but that kind of that kind of at capacity feeling um yeah. is not present in this record like everything everything sort of sits comfortably in the record i like how bass forward it is yeah you know and uh as as a person who plays bass like i i you know i i, I always listen for that and i like that about the record So here's here's a funny thing. As I was listening to the record, uh, I, I was like, man, there's there's a lot of moments in this record that remind me of Thin Lizzy. And I don't you know. I, interesting well, that you say well, that. Just, but go ahead. Well, that's the thing, because I just <laughs> I just brought the, the album up on Wikipedia and, and yeah. it said that like, like, like <laughs> Lewis worked with Thin Lizzy. I was, yeah. I was like, holy shit. Well, there you go. Like, <laughs> Huey Lewis played harmonica on Thin Lizzy's like 
like 19, I don't know, 78, 79 record. With Huey Lewis, most more than anything, is like they're they're a quintessential bar band, right? Yeah, like yeah, they're, good they're just a bunch. They 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 all look like guys that could just like have day jobs. They work at a factory, or one's a dentist, or one's this, that, or the other, and mm-hmm. they all get together on Friday night at the local pl- pub, and they just like play a song, and it comes out like you said in a sort of effortless manner where everybody's kind of doing their. They're, they're doing it in concert, mind you. Yeah, it's yeah. not like it's just join it or anything. But like they're all kind of like, well, here's the sax part. Stop. Here's the sax guy. Here's mm-hmm. the keyboard part. Stop. There's the keyboard guy. And it just seems like the like the quintessential bar band that, that, that like wrote a couple of songs and got famous. <laughs> right? Yeah, and that's all great. That, that's, that's another band that they remind me of. Uh, and this is uh, for all of those things is the Black Crows. Right. Oh, um, I love the Black Crows. I do too. Love I think the Black, Black Crows are. I think the Black Crows are crazy underrated. Uh, yeah. for, for this, but I think it's the same kind of vibe, right? Like right. everything the Black Crows does is really effortless and really, really sits comfortably in what they're doing, and and you know, and they all they all can play well. You know, the vocals. I can't think of the vocalist's name of the Black Crows. Yeah, I don't know it off head. the top of my head either. Like, but... like Chris Robinson. So, yeah, something like oh, that. that sounds right. Yeah, that might be correct. Uh, I mean, that guy can sing like a motherfucker, too. That, oh, yeah. That, that guy's an incredible singer. And actually, so can Huey Lewis. Like, I was yeah. I was actually uh, pleasantly surprised at how not generic he sounds, you know? Right. <laughs> like, right. like, there's a there's he, he's not like the best singer I've ever heard. But but there's he's definitely a skilled singer. Like, like well, and he, he's yeah. he's the perfect singer for that style of music. Right. Like he fits right. well into his his genre. He's not. Mm-hmm. trying to be something that he's not so yep 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 but no, i completely agree yeah i i just i think the album is light-hearted it's mm-hmm. it's fun like it's something that that doesn't require it, you don't have to think very hard to get it like it's really just about girls and having yeah. fun and you know partying or whatever um not not in, like in a beastie boys kind of way no no not yeah like it's very in family wholesome way. fun right yeah. <laughs> But, but yeah, it, it strikes me as like um, serious dad rock. Sure, not sure. not quite so far as yacht rock, but it's it's definitely mm-hmm. dad rock, right? <laughs> right, and that's that's okay. Like like it. So uh, maybe another word for it is like non-threatening. Right. Well, it's certainly right? non-threatening. It wouldn't and be in Back to the Future if it was. If it was <laughs> if it was threatening. Um. <laughs> And and that's okay, you, you know. I I this is coming from a guy who listens to a lot of threatening music, like like that. <laughs> that's really okay. Like I I I like a lot of groups that are that way. I think I think the thing I appreciate the most about the album is um, is the effortlessness. Is is here like you said? Here are a group of of, of guys who know how to play, uh, like to play. At least it sounds like they like to play, yeah. And and are not are not trying to do something that, that they're not they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. They're not trying to do something important, you right? Know, and then that, it's, it's really scare quotes. It's really unpretentious, 
in a way. It's really they don't. It doesn't yeah. seem like they take themselves too seriously. Like I said, the the only serious song is is, is a track called "Walking on a Thin Line," right? Which, right. to my knowledge, and I'm not a Huey Lewis expert by any means, but I mean, this was written in 1983, so the Vietnam War was still pretty fresh in everybody's mind, and Huey Lewis knew people that had been in the war, and like that was his observation, and that's as deep as he ever. As far as I know, that's as deep as he ever got when it came to like thematically writing a song about something. And if you listen to the lyrics of the song, they're they're kind of poignant, you know. They, but yeah, yeah, I noticed that from the lyrics. Yeah, but they're packaged in a way that it doesn't sound it doesn't sound heavy. It doesn't it doesn't sound that it doesn't um, put you in that foreboding sort of mood. It's not depressing, yeah. right? It's not pretentious at all. It's just about it's it's just another pop song that they wrote. You know, this one happens to have some substance behind the lyrics, whereas the other ones don't really. But uh, it, it's all it's it's kind of weird because it's all it's all non-threatening. Even something yeah. as heavy as the Vietnam War is non-threatening whenever Huey Lewis gets his fingers on it. You know, so it's it's. It's kind of a relief, actually, to just listen to music and, and just have a good time and not have to not have to carry the weight of a message or something. And, it, and most of the stuff that I listen to, I listen to for the message. Right. I, I mean, that's part of my affinity for, for so much punk music, because I really right. like I really like the 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 mental aspect. of it. I really like the, the politicization, politicization. I really like a lot of the, the, the meanings and behind the song. So that's why this is kind of a moped record for me because it really doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I know. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And, and the, so as I think about like, uh, not with, not that we have to do a big analysis, but as I think about, you know, kind of where it's placed historically and then like some of the music that like I grew up on, you know, I grew up on nineties music. And and much of 90s music, um, certainly not everything, definitely not everything, but much of 90s music is not really is not really meant to be good time music. Right. Um, you know, it's it's uh, some of it is a, some of it sort of like like you could make the argument that Matchbox 20 is sort of like that. Right. Like Matchbox 20. Sure, is, but when you think of 90s music, whenever somebody says 90s music, you don't think right. Matchbox 20. You think yeah. like Nirvana, you think Soundgarden, right. you think right. these kind of uh, brooding sort of figures, these slacker figures that like wear flannel and torn jeans and don't care yeah. about their image and don't want to exactly. be famous and blah, blah, blah. Right. Exactly. And and so like for me, you know, listening to a group like, like, a, like a legitimate group now, um, because it's really after the 90s that we sort of see what I might call the end of the mainstream group, right? Like, right. and and sort of the the rise of, of the good time music that exists uh, is, is, you know, kind of single pop stars, right? Or, right. or stuff like that. Um, like, 
for me, listening to a band like this really feels it, do, it doesn't feel dated to me. Like it's definitely 80s. You're totally right. Like and I sense, <laughs> it definitely and I feels sense, dated to me. But, okay. Oh, sure. But, but I sense the 80s-ness in it for sure. But but the the style, the 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 effortlessness, the the good timeness of the music is not something that I am used to consuming kind of in music. Right. Not not usually. So like here, let me let me add another dimension to this personally. Like I grew up, uh, you know, I sort of came of age at a time when um uh and this is mostly just because I was in church a ton, like at a time when uh contemporary Christian music was something that I consumed a ton of. Right. right. And and there's um you know, there's all kinds of subgenres within that, you know, the heavy and the poppy and all that. But but contemporary Christian music doesn't have any chill either. You know, it's all it's it's all it's all very serious, even even when it's packaged in this sort of unserious way. You know, when, when it's packaged in a poppy way, it's still it's still about loving Jesus and, right. you know, and all this stuff. And and so even even as I kind of reflect on like that kind of music that I have sort of in the recesses of my brain. Uh, even then Huey Lewis in the news is not uh, it, it's still different. It still doesn't come across to me as, as this kind of dated thing. Um, I wonder in a world in which we are now beginning to leave quarantine and pandemic, I wonder if we will see more uh, good time music. Like, I wonder well, if I good certainly time hope so because the, the world could certainly use some more good times, you know, but I, I think I, I think that part of the appeal to me for for the Huey Lewis record is there's really no experimentation going on. Right. It's really yeah. kind of it's, it's really kind of formulaic. Right. It's mm. the same sort of things that worked in the 50s, that worked in the 60s, that worked in the 70s and they work in the 80s or they're, the, you know, the three chord and a, and a you know, an eight bar break for a saxophone solo or whatever like they're very formulaic there's nothing there's nothing really um avant-garde or, or really mm -hmm. really nobody's really pushing the envelope and it's kind of just a safe place right you just kind of you kind of sit there and there's no surprises and you don't want to be surprised it's just kind yeah. of, it's just kind of come it's like Huey Lewis is like McDonald's, right? <laughs> no matter sure. where, you, or no matter where you go in the world, if you order a cheeseburger from McDonald's, you know exactly what you're gonna get. You know exactly how it's gonna taste. You know exactly what it's gonna cost. And I think Huey Lewis kind of just delivers that, right? Yeah, and that's great. <laughs> that's not a bad thing. I mean, do I wish that I could have been, you know, at the first couple of Black Sabbath shows, like sure. when they were all playing, when they were all just playing blues? And then they were like, we have this other song. You want to listen to this? And <laughs> everybody's like, what the hell are you listening? What is that? <laughs> you know, do I wish I could be there? Yeah. But uh, but but there's something charming and not in a not in a patronizing way, not an ironic way. There's something charming about about a band like Huey Lewis and the News and about this album um, because it just sounds good and yeah. it's allowed to sound good and it's allowed to make you feel good. Um, and it doesn't have to uh, spur you on to, I don't know, think deeply about a new thing or, right. or 
spur you on into action. It, it can just sound good, you know? And I mean, so like, think, take like Bob Dylan. Isn't the big funny joke about Bob Dylan that he actually sucks? And the only reason <laughs> that every, we all think he's great is because it's important music, you know? No, right. it's, this is, this is a group of guys that don't suck and, yeah. and are allowed to make music that doesn't suck. Yeah. And, and that music that doesn't suck is allowed to make you feel good. It would yeah. sound really weird if Huey Lewis in the news like like said, all right, now we're going to do a concept record about, you know, mushrooms like we're going <laughs> to, go you know, and, and we're going we're going to commune with the spirits. Uh, but it, but here we go. Bing, 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 you know, and then, <laughs> boom, 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 like, like, no, it'd be crazy. You know, it'd be nuts. I like it. I, I like I said, I, I probably won't listen to it much more. Right. Um. Although now, I, now it makes me want to listen to both Thin Lizzy and the and the Black Rose. <laughs> I can't believe that I'm I'm like man, it sounds a lot like Thin Lizzy. And then I looked it up, and that's like one of the first things I see <laughs> while working with Phil Lynott. And I was like, holy shit! <laughs> <You know? laughs> How did I get that right? You know, that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, yeah, no, I dig it, man. I dig it. That's good. Cool. That's good. Well, you good. got anything else? Oh, whatever. I don't know <laughs> if I have much else. I think that's, I, I think uh, that's our hookah chats episode. That, that's our hookah chats, man. Back to your hookah chats. Done. <laughs> Boom. <laughs>